there's really no black magic here when it comes to Shopify. Just get your content out. Make sure you're going after the right keywords. Don't cannibalize your efforts, right? And then build those links. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest E-Commerce, we welcome Jeff Currit, the founder of SEOK, and he's going to teach us the three things that most Shopify store owners do wrong when it comes to SEO. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Honest E-Commerce. I am sitting next to the wonderful Annette Grant. And today, we are welcoming an SEO expert to our show, Jeff Corrette from SC Oak is joining us today to talk about the three things most Shopify store owners do wrong when it comes to SEO. All right, Jeff, what makes you an expert at SEO? I guess just the fact that I, it, you know, I was doing it. I had a generalist web design agency, and you know, I kind of felt like SEO was the best thing that I, uh, the thing that I was probably best at. And as of about four years ago, I decided to go all in on SEO and focus on it with my and I rebranded my company as SEO and. You know, we've taken on countless SEO campaigns, and and then we've just kind of leaned into e-commerce over the last two years, and so you know, just just a lot of just a whole lot of experience with it, and, and just doing only SEO makes me an expert, just because I, I leaned all the way in on it. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I think that getting right down and dirty into one particular niche, you quickly realize how. Many people are just doing it wrong, and the generalists don't really know what they're doing. They kind of just scratch the surface. Yeah, because that's where I was. Um, I thought I was good at SEO, and then when I leaned all the way in on it, I'm like, "Wow, I, I didn't know what I didn't know." And then I started learning all this stuff that I didn't even know existed. So yeah, that's and that's what special, specialists bring to the table. Absolutely, and then so like the transition from kind of a general SEO to now specifically e-commerce SEO. And I think you've recently niched down into more particularly Shopify. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah how, for sure. What uh, are there, you know, many changes in how you approach stuff from say like a service based side of things to like now you're trying to sell products? Well, you know, like a local legion uh, is all about location. You know, local legion SEO campaign is all about location and, and that kind of thing. And then with selling products, you start getting uh, national and international. So there's a little bit of a different approach. But uh, at the end of the day, SEO is SEO. And a lot of the same tactics apply. But we've definitely seen some things that work uh, really well for, for e-commerce. And, and we, we've noticed a lot of things that people are doing wrong, which we'll have into in, in a couple minutes here. Absolutely. So you you already hit the nail on the head there. You know, There's national and international competition going on here. So... How can like this small, you know, shop compete against these big national brands on these super competitive keywords? Yeah, like myself, my my website. <laughs> so I'm I'm interested to hear everything you have to mm. say about that. I think that where the huge brands are failing at SEO and where the opportunity exists is going all in on specific keywords. And what I mean by that is, 
the pages that the big brands have, or let's just let's just say like a Shopify store owner is going it has a collection with you know uh, a kind of a description of what it is that they sell. You know, if they were to add content to that page, um, you know, do do keyword research and really pick what that what that keyword is, like something that has high volume but also low lower search um, keyword difficulty, like search competition. But also, you know, build links to that page. You know, build links, add content, go all in on the right keyword. Like those three things right there had the potential of of winning against a huge brand, even though they have all that that domain equity and all that stuff. So kind of going in on the long tail, I think is what I'm trying to say here, is is where they have a chance to win. Awesome. So uh, to those that don't know, could you explain what a long tail keyword is and how it plays out with the, the whole kind of SEO game? Yeah. So the long tail keyword is basically a longer keyword with maybe three to five words in it. So a lot of people think keyword, a single word. Well, long tail. Three to five, maybe even six or seven, just just depending. But probably not more than five, just because very few people will be um, typically searching for that. Amazing. So using Shopify to go after these keywords, long tail, uh, is it an easy process? Is it a hard process? Could I do it myself? Like, How does that work? Yeah. So I use a tool called Ahrefs, which makes it so easy. But at the same time, it took me a long time to get good at Ahrefs. And that's ahrefs.com, A-H-R-E-F-S.com. And what it allows you to do is type in a keyword, just to, just to, like hypothetically the keyword that you think you might want to go after. Uh, very quickly, you can get information on the keyword difficulty, which is a score that Ahrefs gives on how easy it would be to get on page one based on the number of backlinks that a page has. So that that's a very valuable piece of information. But on top of that, it also tells you the search volume in a way that I think is a lot more um, uh, in depth than than what you get, might get from the Google Keyword Planner, which is the uh, the Google Google's AdWords tool, um, which which SEOs are t- uh, tend to use. But um, yeah, I think I think once you kind of get familiar with the Ahrefs platform, you can kind of get an idea of whether or not a keyword is good or not. But you know, Ahrefs does have a small co- I think if you just have one domain, it's, it's not bad. You know, I'm paying hundreds of dollars a month just because I have a bunch of um, campaigns going on at once. But if you just have the one site, I think it, it should be pretty affordable for you. Interesting. Awesome. So let's say that I got like a, a shoe store and I'm reselling you know, Nikes and Adidas. Uh, you know, what would be the play there, like using Ahrefs? Okay, so you're selling you're you're selling Nikes and Adidas. Well, you know, all the all the major brands. You know what I mean? Okay. Should I should I go after those specific keywords, or you know, what would you, as an expert, what where where would you start the strategy? Sure, that's a really good question. You know, I would probably go into you know a kind of a descriptive thing, like what is it. Because you're not going to win. You're probably not going to win for like Nike shoes. I don't. I don't think. I mean, just it just seems like one of those things that'd be really, really hard to compete on. Uh, but you, what you might win is like you know men's streetwear shoes or you know basketball shoes for kids or like yeah. On the long, I, I think I'd probably go after the long tail. So where I'd start is I'd, I'd throw in a couple ideas, and I'd, I'd probably ask like, what is the what is the niche of the site? Is it just like a Kind of generic retailer of shoes? Is it like 
Is it geared toward basketball? Is it geared toward kids? So just depending on just depending on where they're at, I I throw some of those seeds in there. And Ahrefs has this thing where you throw in like 10 keywords and they'll give you a bunch of suggestions based on different things like also ranks for or questions associated with these keywords. So I so I throw in a bunch of seed keywords and as I'm kind of digging, I'm I'm seeing some different opportunities and replacing bad keywords, seed keywords with better seed keywords. You know, this whole process you, you can literally get lost in this stuff. But after maybe an hour or maybe two hours of just digging and, and finding opportunities, you can you can kind of get an idea of what your best chances of, of winning are just based on keyword difficulty and, and search volumes and just trying to get that good mix. So would you say that Ahrefs kind of can help you identify that positioning and those and those kind of niches that you should be almost pivoting towards with your marketing? I think so. And my question is is do you think Ahrefs is more for a DIYer or the agency side? Do you think a DIYer like myself could go in and actually use it and have a good outcome and yeah, not get I think, lost? I think that you could. Okay. I think that you could. And they've, they've got a lot of uh, you know, tutorial videos and stuff like that that, that kind of simplify it. Uh, I think even back for me as an, as an agency owner for... Um, you know, I think I started my company in 2007 originally. So like... I remember feeling like like Ahrefs was intimidating, and, and you know, in, in some ways it was. But once I got in there and got my hands dirty and started figuring out what all the little things did, you know. But you know, I, I don't want to make this all about a tool because you know, there, there's other tools like Ahrefs out there. Really, what you want to do is find the the whole point of this is like find the right keyword, and Ahrefs is just one way to go about that. And that's just kind of you know, that's kind of a big part of this is finding that right keyword, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just want to thank you straight up for you're just you're telling it like it is. This is the secret sauce. This is how I help people rank for SEO. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And then what are what are some other steps you know that uh, small smaller shops could take uh, to to kind of compete with the bigger brands? Do you have any other ideas for them? I mean, you know, getting that keyword right, adding content like. On, on Shopify, we've got collections, which, which serve as, as category pages, right? What a lot of Shopify store owners aren't doing is adding content to those pages. So literally, it's a dump of all of the, um, of the products in that category with nothing else on it. Which, uh, you, know, at that, you know, if that's all you have, well, then what's really separating you from all the other stores competing for that same collection page keyword? And, and you know, typically nothing other than inbound links to the entire site that are kind of transferring link juice to that page. And as far as content, what do you think it is the most advantageous for a store owner to use? I, I will, my recommendation for collection page content is as follows: I would um, have a small descriptive sentence or two at the top because you don't want to take up, you don't want to force people to scroll down too far to see the product. So I'd have a, a couple sentences at the top and at the bottom under under the product. I would have you know maybe another three hundred to five hundred words of just a description, you know what what it is that that the company does best, and, and just kind of play on some different keywords. And I would only show it on page one of the collection. Like if you have multiple pages in that collection, I would only show that text on page one. That way you're not um, you're not having duplicate content on all your collection pages in that 
uh, you know, page one, page two, page three on that collection. That's another. That's another trick. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Now, one thing that I want to point out to our listeners and just with Shopify, um, when you are editing the product or the category, like you can see the meta description stuff like right there on the page. It's not. You don't have to jump into the code to attack half of this stuff. It's pretty straightforward. Right. You can change it right there in the collection page in the back end of, of Shopify. Yeah. So how like how much technical stuff do you feel like you're finding yourself doing for your clients work versus things that could have been done themselves just in the standard UI within Shopify if they just had the knowledge or, you know, sometimes it's the time, you know, had the time to do it themselves. You know what we te- what we typically end up doing for, on the technical side is um, performance improvements, like using uh, using performance tools to kind of see like you know is the page loading quickly or is it not? And, and a lot of the times, not not that much of our resources go toward um, improving the improvement or improving the page load speed or improving um, images. We we actually have this action item system, so you know very few of our action item go, uh, action items go toward that stuff. For the most part, we're putting our action items toward adding content to the site, planning authority pieces of content, and publishing that, and also doing outreach to build links and getting that kind of stuff. So a lot of the stuff could be done, but of course it's it's uh, you know it's it's a time investment. It's a lot of time, and and Shopify store owners are pretty busy people. Uh, especially if their store is, is having some level of success, it starts to be kind of uh, not in their best interest to do this stuff themselves at, at some point. But a lot of people could be doing this, you know, especially in the early days. What do you think is that tipping point for a store owner, revenue-wise, to bring someone on to catapult that you know their sales just using SEO? What do you see there? I would say. It seems like the best fit for for what we go after is around the thirty k per month cool. okay. mark. Although we do have we do have some smaller plans available. It seems like the best fit is around that uh, that forty forty four hundred thousand um, dollar per year in revenue mark, which is around thirty k I think per um, per month. And um, and that's when it's like all right, it's time to just like focus on what you do, improve the product, let somebody else handle the the SEO, you know. No, I think that's great for our listeners to put that on their their goal tracker of that's the time to actually bring a professional in on that part and kind of just let Shopify do its job on that and then do it organically in the beginning. Because yeah, at that point, you've kind of got that product market fit. Things are rolling along. And then it's like, all right, now how do we, how do we leverage things? How do we add more fuel to the fire and, and get some of this stuff off, off of our, you know, the internal team's plate so we can focus on... Uh, fixing the processes and make, making, you know, overall like big picture stuff. Yeah, I appreciate that answer. That it's you know, hey, you don't want to start off with us right out of the gate. So thank you for that. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. 
Simpler's network of on-demand US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free seven-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. Let's go to the three wrong. Yeah, the the title of the podcast we haven't (laughs) even got to. What are the three mistakes, the like blaring mistakes they make? Let's what do mistakes it. has Annette made? Yeah, I know <laughs> I, I've made. I don't know Annette's site, but um, uh, here's what we here's what we typically see, right? Um, number one, not creating authority content and oftentimes no content at all. So what we see, especially in the fashion and like jewelry space for Shopify or, or any e-commerce, really, they'll put out like. Instead of putting out authority content, and, and you know, by authority I mean you know helpful, educational, something that positions your company as an authority in, in some way or another. And then what we'll see in like the fashion and jewelry space is all right. Well, they'll they'll have all these models for their um, photo shoots, and they'll do like they'll do like a bio or something. They'll you know they'll they'll interview the model, and that'll be like their content. And like yeah, it's it's great that you're that you're trying. It's great that you're putting something out there, but really for SEO. You really need to have something a little bit more beefy. I'm talking about 2,000 words minimum, and uh, and you know a little bit more frequently, too. Ideally, ideally like once a week would be amazing. And I know that's not realistic for a lot of companies, but at least at the very least once a month, put out something like at least 2,000 words. That's designed to hit your customers at some point in their buying journey, um, whether it's very early or in the middle. You know, to help the awareness and to help you rank and. To help generate inbound links, so that's number one. Okay. Uh, number two is keyword cannibalization. We're actually we're actually dealing with this right now um, for a company, and they've got their keyword uh, on their homepage. Basically, the keyword that they're going after on their homepage is also in their title tag for their about page. It's on their title tag for their contact page. It's on their title tag for multiple collections. It's on their title tag for their um, blog homepage. Could you give us an example? It doesn't have to be that customer, but... Yeah, because this customer is on a white label basis. So <laughs> right. I, I, I can't yeah. say too much. But let's just say hypothetically, your store is all about selling... Let's go back to the basketball shoes. Right? Okay. Um, you're selling basketball shoes. So, so let's just say basket, basketball shoes is in your homepage title tag. Like John's Basketball Shoes. Let's just say... That's, that's the name of the store. John's Basketball Shoes. Okay. Basketball Shoes is in your, in your title tag for your homepage. It's in your, um, your contact. Contact John's Basketball Shoes. Wait up, hold on. So okay. But basketball shoes is a keyword. That's not the name of the company. Let's let's say the name of the company is John's Kicks, right? Okay. The name of the company is John's Kicks. Their keyword is uh, basketball shoes. So John's Kicks has basketball shoes in their homepage title tag. They've got basketball shoes in their um in their about page title tag, their contact page title tag. You know what I'm saying? It's like gotcha. it's like everywhere. Okay. Now here's here's the problem with that. Google Gets a little confused. They're like, "All right, somebody's searching for basketball shoes. Well, how do we know to show the homepage, or how do we know whether or not we should show the homepage, whether or not we should show the basketball case collection page, gotcha. or should we show the basketball um, shoes for kids collection page, or should we show the about page?" And so they call it keyword cannibalization because you're kind of you're kind of eating your your own chances of success 
because you've got too many. It's it's hard enough in 2019 to rank for for a keyword in general. Now you're diluting those efforts if you've got if you've got multiple pages on your site competing for the same keyword. So that's that's just known as keyword cannibalization, and, and we see it pretty frequently. Okay, number three. Uh, number three would be not building links aggressively enough. Ooh, so, okay. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times people will be too just content in getting PR that they're just getting naturally without much effort, and uh, you know, getting links from blogs without much effort. You really do have to step it up a notch, and that's something that uh, you know, working with a company like mine can help with. It's just you know, it's just it's just a a massive time sink. It's something that anybody can do, right? But it's something that takes a lot of effort and a lot of resources to make happen. So. But you can see huge wins on yeah. a couple of those links if they really they fire off for you. Well, so. here's, I, I think we should explain to the people that don't know why links matter and talk about backlinks in just a quick you know, synopsis there. Backlinks are typically what we see when uh, someone adds a link to your site from theirs. So Google sees that as a vote. To your site, a vote of authority, a vote of confidence, and the more of those that you have, generally the better that you do. In fact, it's it's definitely uh, very common to see with Shopify stores competing on a keyword that the person with the most links wins. And it's not always perfect. Like sometimes there's definitely other act- factors at play, but it's definitely not surprising to see. Oh, well, that's why he's number one. He's got three hundred backlinks to this one page where everybody else has like 50 or like zero, right? Like, oh, well, yeah, that's why he's winning. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things you can't ignore. But at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that your only strategy. You really do need a well-balanced approach of... Uh, we actually have this three-pillar... What we call the three pillars of modern SEO. Pillar number one, architecture and user experience. Pillar number two, authority content creation. And influencer outreach, and then pillar number three would be the inbound, the overall inbound link landscape. That's just the overall quality and quantity of the inbound links pointing to your site. So you really want to hit all three of those pillars about evenly. And yeah, that's that's that literally that system literally powers everything that we do here at SEO. I want all right. I have two <laughs> questions, and you're crushing it over here. So one, I want to talk about that architecture, uh, and I'm under the understanding. Uh, but I want your expert opinion on it. I am not an SEO expert. I'll never claim to be. Does Shopify as a CMS kind of build out a SEO-friendly architecture for the website? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I didn't know I asked the million-dollar question. <laughs> you know, uh, that's something that we're, we're actively trying to figure out. Because uh, a, a lot of the developers and the experts who work on the development side that we work with to help us implement the SEO strategies tell us, you know, hey, that's just Shopify. There's not much that can be done. And a part of me wants to believe that. The other part of me is like, maybe I'm not working with the right development specialist or the, uh, you know, the site performance specialist. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of talking to some different people. But for the most part, all the development specialists have told me that, hey, look, uh, Shopify... You can't fix that problem with Shopify. You can't fix that. It, that's just the way Shopify is. Other people say, "Well, maybe it's maybe it's some of the apps." Well, hey, if, if it's the Shopify apps, why is it exist on these five different sites and they all have different apps? So it's like, you know, the best way for me to answer that question is I don't know. 
uh, and, and we're actively learning to find out. Yeah, but I, I think I, it's kind of leaning toward the no, <laughs> the no side, unfortunately. Oh no! I mean, but not, I, I don't want to say you can't have major success. You absolutely can. Uh, I'm talking about the nit nitpicky, like really getting things like perfect. Yeah, you're a perfectionist. Which doesn't always matter for SEO, for success, I should say. Yeah, I just think with Shopify powering now, maybe fifty percent. That's the guess. I have no idea. I haven't looked at any numbers, but fifty percent of the successful stores out there are maybe powered by Shopify, and it's aggressively going after that market share. Maybe Google is now understanding those elements of that CMS. I feel like it's a learning experience for Google's algorithm as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it, it, it's all relative. If you are in the top, you just want to be in the top percentage of, of the people on the homepage. So if everybody's got Shopify for your queue, and when I say homepage, I mean the, the first page of Google, right? So if everybody's using Shopify on that first page of Google for your desired keyword, and you're just kind of toward the top, all things being equal, Everything else being equal, if you're toward the top, you should be toward the top of the pay, uh, of the results. So just you know, just look at it relatively and just kind of do the best you can. And but you know, no one expects no one expects you to like completely break Shopify in order to fix these really nitpicky things. And and Google's learning this stuff, like as you said, Google's learning like okay, this is Shopify. Let's give let's cut them a little slack. I think <laughs> that's probably what they're they're used to it. And Shopify is a great platform, and a lot of people have having massive success with it. So. It's not anything I would definitely... I, I would switch platforms because of. Yeah, I think that's a very important point there. That if you're finding success on your platform, you don't need to replatform. Just that's... Sometimes people think that they need to move to Shopify to succeed. And I'll be the first to tell you, like, if you're doing fine, like, stay on whatever you're doing. It's... An investment to move platforms, and it's only a good idea if that platform is going to solve a problem that you can't fix. Right. Yeah. Cool. I think we kind of brushed on it, but uh, what's like uh, an eighty twenty rule when it comes to Shopify for SEO? Eighty twenty. Um, yeah. So what I would say is you want to create content and publish it regularly, which we did mention earlier. Focus on the right keywords and build links. So there's, there's really no black magic here when it comes to Shopify. Just get your, just get your content out. Uh, make sure you're going after the right keywords. Don't cannibalize your efforts, right? And then build those links. Three things, uh, it, you know, these, those three things are going to move the needle most and most quickly for you. Absolutely. So I got, I got now I got a, a, a good question here. So a lot of the young brands out there. You know, they start out maybe t-shirt brands or they may even have like a cool product. And you said that like all these these younger brands that they'll like do these photo shoots and they'll have these collections and that's their blog content. Like, do you have any tips of like other types of content they should consider that's gonna be leaning more towards authority and then and not like this this filler useless content, which it kind of is? There's there's two different types of authority content I think you should consider. Um some and you know we actively try to find an overlap, but a lot of times it's it's hard to find an overlap. So, one type of authority content is going to allow you to build the most amount of links, and another type of authority content is going to allow you to rank better on Google for that for that authority content's keywords. And so, for example, first the first example I was giving, okay, so the type of authority content that's going to allow you to build the best and the most links are around another subject. So it's something that's not going to be that interesting for your um, your 
you know, for your store's target market. So you might have to go after like something like sustainability or the elderly or the hand or the physically or mentally handicapped and try to, you know, try to mend that in with your content a little bit. Now, the awesome thing about this type of content is if you go after these types of communities and you tell them, Hey, look at this, look at this content we created. It's designed to help people or, you know, uh, appeal to people in your demographic. Uh, and then you go after them. You know they'll be they'll give you some amazing links. In fact, we've seen like people give us homepage links and stuff like that to this content, which is like awesome, right? So that type of link is going to give authority to the whole rest of the um, site, just because you know your your blog pages tend to link to the homepage and every other. And so that that link juice, that link value, gets passed along to the rest of the site. So that's one type of authority content. And then the other type is. When you when you go into let's just say Ahrefs or another keyword tool, and you find an opportunity, something that has a very low keyword difficulty or or competition, and has a, a high search volume, a high ish. Usually, you're not going to find a high search volume and low difficulty, but you can find a, a good middle ground. Well, then that's something that you could go after for you know in order to rank on Google for that for that um, keyword. Um, and you're not going to get as good of links if you do uh, outreach. In, in fact, you might not get any links or very few, but that has a really good chance of uh, showing up on Google if you go after a really low uh, search difficult, you know, keyword difficulty. And it has a chance of, of getting you awareness that way uh, just, by, just by naturally ranking on Google because it's such a good article, because it was written so well, and because it's better than anything else out there. So that's a good chance to get somebody early or in the middle of the, um, the funnel on their buying journey to eventually buying from your store. So let me know if that made sense. <laughs> yes. No, oh, it did. Made total sense. Good. Yeah. So one of our last questions here, what makes your organization, SEO Oak, different from other SEO companies when people are ready to you know, make that jump to, to hire a firm? Give us, give us some of those differences that you guys offer. Yeah, I think just the fact that for the last two years, we've been doing almost nothing but e-commerce SEO. It's just naturally made us a lot more effective at it just by sheer hours and, and experience. And that, that's translating today into faster results for companies who sell online. Faster results and better ROI, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's, what, that's what's setting us apart the most right now. And I kind of just want to spell it out for our listeners. It's SEO. Oak. There's no. There's not. Not two O's. Just one. S e oak. Co. Right. Yep. And you know you've got a good brand name when you have to. Uh, when you have to say that every every single time and miss and correct people's bad pronunciations of it because uh, people say SEO oak and, and all this other stuff. And uh, <laughs> you know, like oh man, I, I didn't think about that. But uh, yeah, S e oak and oak. The oak tree part is a play to my home city of New Orleans, and uh, and the fact that oak. Want, SEO is kind of like an oak tree. Once it's once it's kind of sprouted and grown into this big tree, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, you got your links built. You got your links built. You're in the ground. You're firmly rooted in the internet. You're firmly rooted in success. So that's where the oak tree comes from. And all the branches are like the, the you know the pillars that we talked about. I think I'm going to rename those pillars as branches. Yeah, soon. for sure. Because that's what they are. They're branches to your success. No, I like that. Thank you. But yeah, that's uh, that's SEO, and uh, you know I've got this. I've actually got this cheat sheet. Awesome! For yeah, e- it's, it's designed for SD, uh, for e-commerce store owners and marketing managers. Uh, it's a cheat sheet for all the stuff that we're talking about. It, it's going to give you some direction on, on doing some of this stuff yourself. 
and taking some major steps to getting the success. Okay, it's where- at uh, seoak.co slash cheat. Awesome. That's amazing. So seoak.co slash cheat to pick up Jeff's free SEO e-commerce cheat sheet. And it's going to contain a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. Jeff, I got one more question for you before we wrap this sure. up. What is your restaurant that you recommend to people that are visiting? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's so many. You guys got such amazing food down there. Yes, we are definitely a food city. I think you can't go wrong with Commander's Palace. You know, it's you know you have to wear a jacket, but they're really nice. Like if you get if you forget your suit jacket, they'll give you one. <laughs> just just to kind of play that, have that ambiance. But they have some amazing food there. It's just one of the just you get amazing service uh, when they come bringing your food, and you got a party of like ten. Each of your plates will hit the table at the exact same second. It's like it's that methodical, and uh, everybody out here loves them. So yeah, that's one I would definitely check out. Oh, and we could go on for out. That's that's the next podcast we'll go right. over yeah. all the different restaurants. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. My pleasure. Um, awesome. Well, I'm sure that we'll have you back and we'll go down the rabbit hole of SEO again. Sounds great. Great. Thank you. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.